So today, we're going to be talking about the Christian and their growth. At this point in Hebrews, the author decides to say, hey, this is what it's going to look like if you're going to grow as a Christian. And he's, he's pointing out some things in this text of what they were doing wrong. Because remember, this, this letter was written to a Hebrew people that had followed Jesus and then decided that they were going to do it their own way and they were going to they were going to they were going to do it they 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 were going to do it their way and they were going to do it uh, they were going to go back to the old way like with temple sacrifices and and uh, all the all the the traditions which I don't think traditions bad I think it's what you do with tradition why are you doing the traditions and obviously these were doing it for the wrong reasons because they they, they were making Jesus equal to all these other things, and Jesus isn't equal to anything. That's why we watch that video every week, is to, to remind us that Jesus is greater than anything. He was greater than all the prophets. He was greater than all the angels. He is number one. And you see, as we talk about Christian and Christian growth, we're going to be in Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. So you think you're getting out early today because we've only got four verses to go. <laughs> My dad came to first service. He's telling you that you're wrong. So you see, as Christians, growth is a necessity. It's a necessity. You see, we are not called by God to just put our trust in Christ by faith. We are called by God to do that. We're to put our, our trust in Christ by faith and faith alone. That is what saves us, grace by faith. That is 100% what saves us. But it would be silly to think that all Christians didn't need to grow or, no, or that, that you could say some Christians didn't need to grow. You can't say any of that because the Bible won't allow you to say that. You see, we all need to grow. So being a a Christian is more than making a decision. You see, we can sell cheap grace because we can say, hey, all you got to do is put your trust in Jesus and everything will be okay. But we forget the rest of the story. We forget to tell them everything because we're just worried about their soul, which we should be. We should be telling them that, that, that God has covered their sin and he has washed them clean. Because it, it's more than accepting Christ, there must be daily growth in our lives. You see, I know we all sometimes take three steps forward, four steps back, or two steps forward, three steps. But could you imagine if every time I take two steps forward, I'm taking three steps back? I am completely going backwards, I'm not going forwards. So at some point, you have to take more steps forward then you are going backwards. I'm not saying we don't step backwards. I'm not saying we don't slip. I will tell you why we slip today, but we slip. We slip. See, those of us who do not grow in the Lord will find themselves drifting from the Lord and spiritual things. You see, Peter tells us to grow in the text we read, in the Lord. And he says in, in verses 3, 17 through 18, 
ESV version, he says this, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. You see, once we become a Christian... Once we become a Christian, there is no stopping place. There's no like, I'm going to get here and I'm not going to have to grow anymore. Here's what I'll tell you. You will stop growing, and I'm not sure you're going to stop growing then. But you're going to stop growing on this side of heaven when the nails go in your coffin. And that's when you stop growing as a Christian. You're not going to attain all the way up to superior Christian, I don't need to grow anymore. On this side of heaven. I've not been to heaven, so I can't tell you what that's like. But I know here, you're not going to be perfect. And I know we're always going to be growing. And you also, also should be moving forward, not backwards. And I think this is an important message today. For our church, because I personally believe, and I'm going to say this again later, is that until we get the core group of people in this church strong enough to help grow this church, why would God send any more people through them doors? Because one person can't teach everybody. Two people can't teach everybody. We all should be growing in a way that we can teach people. We must go forward or we'll go backwards. 5.11 says this. About this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. So now he's getting hardcore. Whoever wrote this letter is saying, look, you've closed your ears to the truth. See, in this world, there are careless people. We live in a world, world full of careless people. They allow the world to tell them how it works. They don't allow God to tell them how his creation works. They allow people to tell them how God's creation worked. That would be like me coming in and telling you how your car works. I didn't create it. I have no clue. Plus, I'm not mechanically minded, so don't take advice from me when it comes to a mechanic's job. I am not mechanic. I fix stuff with wood. I had a van that was 100%. The floorboard was wood. The gear shift was held in by wood. I did manage to put put it in, but it was connected with plywood. It was pretty awesome. When we had a window smashed out because we were so poor, guess what? I made, we had a minivan. We had the only minivan in town with a wooden window. I'm telling you, it opened. You know the pop-out windows on a minivan on the side? Our minivan window opened. It was plywood. It was quarter-inch plywood because that's how thick the glass was. So I made a piece. I cut it exactly the same shape because that's how I fix stuff. So don't ask me to fix your car. Need any advice when it comes to cars? John. He a mechanic. 
<laughs> but me, no. So I, I, I think we've got careless people that ask the wrong people to give them the right advice. They want the right advice from the wrong people. See, these people didn't seem to listen. This is why they were careless. They were non-spiritual. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. See, God has to take some responsibility in this too because God gives us the Spirit. So if we don't have the Spirit, we're not saved, for one. So we can't understand the message. I lived nearly 33 years of my life not having the Spirit, not believing what was written in the Bible, believing it was a bunch of folk stories. Uh, because I didn't have the Spirit to explain it to me. That's why you can't discern what the Scripture says if you can't understand it. So the natural man does not understand spiritual things. You see, they were non-interested. See, Jesus spoke in parables for a reason, and they couldn't understand it because they had no interest in what he was talking about. Because we can listen to parables, and most of them we can understand because we're interested. Because we'll listen to a story, because I know this, because we'll watch a movie, which is basically what a parable is, a story, and we will understand it because we're interested in it. But they were not interested in what Jesus had to tell them. They were interested in what the world had to tell them. Matthew 13, 13 says, This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. They don't understand because they chose not to understand. It's a choice. They were non-committal. See, there's people that go to church. Would you believe this? Because I think this is crazy. So if you're one of these people, I'm sorry I just offended you. But they go to church, but they're really not committed to church. They don't get involved in anything in church. They just show up on a Sunday, pay their hal insurance, and go on with the week. They leave no different than they got here. See, here's what the, the problem is. And I think what has happened is American Christianity has done this. Because we've got this come-as-you-are mentality, which I love because I always come as I am. So I get to wear whatever I want and nobody judges me, which I love that about this church. Loved it since day one, right? I mean, I came in this church early on because my son had bought me a shirt, a Bob Marley shirt, that was Bob Marley's face made out of pot leaves and nobody judged me. My son was like 10, was he nine nine years old, and insisted that he wanted to buy his dad this shirt for Christmas. And his mom tried to talk him into a different Bob Marley shirt, but he wanted the one that was green because he thought it was cool, and it was a bunch of pot leaves that made up Bob Marley's face. So how do you not wear something your son bought you, right? 
And nobody judged me for wearing it, okay? I think now I wouldn't wear it, but I would wear it where I one day with him and then it would disappear. But I don't have that shirt anymore, by the way. But nobody, nobody, nobody judged me for that, and that's the come-as-you-are mentality. I love the come-as-you-are mentality. But what we've done with this come-as-you-are mentality is we, we say, come as you are, leave as you are. Come as you are, leave as you are. That's not the sort of church I want. I want you to come as you are and leave differently, spiritually. I want you to come as you are and live differently. Not come as you are, leave as you are. And that's the, by the way, that is the American Christianity right now. If you, if you went and listened to a bunch of churches and did your research, you would find out all these big mega churches. That's why I, I, I think there's some good mega churches, but they tend to stay away from the title of mega church. But they, they teach this, this come as you are, we're going to do everything to please you mentality. And then they le- the people think they're saved because they went to church that day and they leave exactly as they walked in. That church. That is not what church is about. The reason, by the way, church exists. A little bit off track here. So we might be out by 12.30. So, so, <laughs> so, so the reason a church exists is not for non-believers. Do you, don't know, you do know that, don't you? It exists. The church and a church building exists for Christians. That was a concept that got changed in the late 90s, early 2000s, 2010, where people started this movement. I'm not even going to name the movement because I'm being good now. But so the movement, and this movement started, and we started looking for things that would make people happy and adding them to our services, okay, because we were careless. So we stopped doing church the way church was supposed to be done. Church is, was supposed to be, this is why church exists. So you come to church, okay, you listen to somebody speak about God. Hopefully, the person that's speaking about God is teaching you something. And then you can get outside and live what you're being taught and witness to other people. And then you can invite them, other people, to come to church to listen to God. Now, saying all that, I believe every, church, every service should be Jesus-focused. So there's always going to be, people are always going to be introduced to Jesus at church. And they're always going to be told that Jesus is the answer at church, done right. They're always going to be told about Jesus. Because if you don't mention Jesus and you come to church and Jesus isn't mentioned, you may as well listen to TED Talk. You know, you may as well, because if Jesus is not mentioned, you can just stay at home and Google search some conversations and listen to them. Because church is about Jesus. The Christian church is about Jesus. We come here to learn about Jesus to make us more mature. But when we start being careless and adding all this stuff in to please people, because we make Christianity a product to be sold, okay, we become careless. We become careless, and we become non-committal. 
We don't want to commit, and, and we make people that don't want to commit. So people come to church, your, your seats are full. You might even get a good offering. But you're not doing God's work because you're not making disciples. The whole thing about church is to make disciples, to make disciples, to make disciples, that make disciples, that make disciples. That is why church exists. If you study the Bible, which I suggest you do, you would find this out. You just have to read the book of Acts and see how the church was made. The word of God was preached. If I was actually doing what they did then, I would just open the Bible, read some scripture. We would sing some psalms and you would have grown. Because people were hungry for God's word. That hunger is diminishing in the society we live in now. People don't want God's word. People don't want it. They don't want ultimate truth. They want truth that they can believe. But Jesus said this, that the truth would set man free. And in John 8, 32, he says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, unless we know him, unless we know him, we're going to be careless. Unless we know him, we won't understand spiritual things. And the only way you can know Jesus isn't to come here. I told them this at first service. This is what I'm going to do once a day. I'm going to make up a bunch of crap and preach it to see, to see if you actually know that I just lied to you. Because people believe, if I went to a church today and, and asked everybody as they were leaving the building, hey, did God say, did God say, God helps those who help themselves. Is that in the Bible? 50% of Christians would say, yep, God helps those who help themselves. I'm like, I believed that before. I thought that God had said that somewhere in the Bible before I was a Christian. But you could pull Christians and go, does God say God help those who help themselves? You could definitely poll Americans and they would say, God said that in the Bible. That is in the Bible somewhere. Right? Well, it's nowhere. Do you know what the Bible actually says? It says, God helps those who can't help themselves. That's the whole Bible. It's not in a specific point of the Bible. It's the whole Bible is God helps those who can't help themselves. But people use that term, God helps them who help themselves. Do you know why? Because I can keep my money in my pocket. Because I can say, oh, that person's suffering because if they help themselves. It's like the saying, pull yourself up with your bootstraps. Have you ever tried pulling yourself up with your bootstraps? It's, you can't do it. I've tried it. You can't undo your laces, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It doesn't work. I mean, I don't know where they come up with these sayings. But we're careless when we start believing stuff that's not written in the Bible and believe that it is written in the Bible. And there's many, many things like that that were said by very clever people. But they weren't, they didn't know God. They didn't know Jesus. You see, how you get to know Jesus is by reading your Bible. And the reason people say, well, 
that's in the Bible. It's because they haven't read their Bible. You know? It was like me before I was saved saying that I thought, actually I said to at, the, at my, we used to have to have a meeting before we got baptized and I said I thought the Bible was a bunch of crap. But I changed it to folk stories for my baptismal because I thought I couldn't say crap in church because I was a baby Christian. And I thought everybody would be offended if I said the Bible was crap. But actually it was, a, a, David made me say it because he said, that shows you how far you've came to actually believe that the Bible was a bunch of crap and now believe it's the word of God and every word in it was written by him. That's a big step. So he said you should be proud when you say it. You should say, look, I used to think that the Bible was a bunch of crap, but now I realize that it's the word of God. I don't think enough of us understand that. Because if we knew what we held in our hand when we hold the Bible, that that is the very word of God, we would, we would honor it. We would read it. Do you know what's funny? Muslims. Okay? Do you know what they, if, if they're a devout Muslim, you would never, ever, 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 ever put anything on top of a Quran, ever. If, you practice, if you're a practicing Muslim, that's how highly they value their word. Yet we will throw ours in the back seat of a car or in the window and it gets sun tanned and we don't pick it up. I mean, we have the very word of God. If you're a Christian, you believe that's the very word of God and you get to own it because it's not illegal in this country to own it. And we get to read it. But most of us don't, on a daily basis, pick up a Bible and read it. Most of us could actually, if we don't like reading, listen to it because we've all got smartphones, except Mary, that we could listen to we could listen to our Bible on our phone. On our phone. She's got the flip phone. The Star Trek flip phone. I love her phone. I am jealous. Actually, that's pretty helpful. That, that, that would be good later. That's a good thing. Because you don't get distracted by all the other stuff the people with smartphones get distracted with. So that's going to be in a minute. Use it. <laughs> but, but anyway, but anyway, we need to know that everything that we do has to glorify him. So we have to be in his word. The object of a message, for instance, is that I preach a message and you go, is that true? And you go home and you pick up your Bible and make sure that I didn't say a bunch of stuff that wasn't in it. That doesn't relate to it. That I'm not leading you down the wrong path. The people that are, that are in the non-acceptance of the Word of God, they, they have neither knowledge nor understanding... Psalms 82.5 says, And they walk about in darkness 
All the foundations of the earth are shaken. These people walk in darkness. They refuse truth. Jesus said, said man would love darkness rather than light. Take a look around. What does man love more? Darkness or light? Sin? It's, it's, it's everywhere. And by the way, I'm not even saying it's our generation. I think our generation's messed up, by the way. But sin has been around. Debauchery has been around since the creation of the human race. Since God created man, we have sinned since we took that first bite of that apple. And we have done despicable things because people go, Wow. This has got to be the end times. Look at the world. Well, go back 200 years. Go back 400 years. Go back 800 years. You'll see the same sort of stuff happening over and over again. And my thing is, I don't worry about when Jesus is coming back. I know he's coming back. And Jesus didn't tell me when he's coming back. He said he didn't know. So I think if he didn't need to know, I definitely don't need to know. And if I worry about when he's coming back all the time, guess what I'm going to do? Not live for him. Because I'm always going to be worried about when he's going to come back. That statement is what, he, what you're supposed to do is live like he's coming back today. Live like if he's come back right now, you would not be ashamed to call yourself a Christian because of your actions. That's what he's basically saying. That's what the Bible says. Live like he's coming back now. And everything in your life will change. John 3.19 says this. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. We're talking Jesus' time. It were, the same thing is happening today as in Jesus' time. The same thing. We are careless. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14 says this. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk and not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the world of righteousness since he is a child. See, in this world, there are childish people. There's people that have, that have, what I call, have accepted cheap grace. But that's as far as they went. They accepted the salvation, and that was it. They accepted Jesus as Savior, and that was it. That's all they wanted. They heard that they needed a get-out-of-jail sign if they die... They needed to not go to hell because that was too hot for them. They wanted to go to heaven, so they accepted Christ, and that's as far as it goes. And they stay children. They don't want to grow. See, the problem is, there was a lack of development. See, the New Living Testament puts it like this. By now, you should be teachers. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the first things you need to know from God's Word. See, 
You need somebody to tell you over and over and over and over and over and over and over again the same stuff. You need people to tell you, oh, wow, being a Christian means you do this. Being a Christian means you need to grow in this way. We, there's a lack of control with childish people. We've all been children. Some of us act like children today, me. But, uh, but sometimes, and that's because we have a lack of control. We have a lack of control. And we start acting like children. See, 1 Corinthians 9.27 says this, But I discipline my body and keep it under control. Least after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. See, we are teachers, okay? But, but according to the Bible, we're all teachers. But we're not all teachers, shall I tell you why? Because a lot of us are still drinking breast milk when we should be eating solid food. We're not growing. We have lack of consecration. You see, Romans 12, 1, 2 says this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is why I don't agree with you're saved, and, 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 and I believe you're saved by grace. But I believe something happens in you when you're saved by grace. Because this is what the text says in the Bible. By the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, we as Christians should be learning what God's word says so we can discern what is good for us and what is bad for us. But we... Sometimes get in this loop of, well, I'm saved by grace, so it really doesn't matter. I really don't need any more than that because I'm saved by grace. So I don't need to to do anything. No, you don't need to. That's why I never say I need to do anything. I always say I get to. Because to me, I really believe that I should be an oil spot on the ground. I believe that I should be burning in hell. I personally believe that. That I don't deserve it. And, and, and I, that is what, when, when I can stand up here, or I can give my time, or I can give my money, or the talents that God's given me, I can share them. I want to share them because I get to, because he gave them me for a purpose. He didn't give us all of that so we could just squander our time, talent, and treasure. He gave it so we could use it to build his kingdom. He gave it so heaven would be a little fuller because he's, you, you've allowed him to use you. And you don't, need, you don't need a lot of money. You don't need all of that stuff. We want. The most important thing to me is my time. It's the most valuable thing I have. 
Because I don't get no more. I don't have more than 24 hours in a day. Neither do you. So when you stop and listen to somebody and you talk to them, you are giving them the most valuable thing that you have, your time. When you take stuff, time out of your day to build relationships, you are giving them more than giving them your bank account. Because you're not getting any more time. When that day's over, you can't go back and say, I want to do over. It's gone. That's why I believe the most important thing we can do is build relationships and use our time to build relationships and listen to people and talk to people and find out their needs. When you talk to somebody, guess what they start doing? They start telling you stuff about themselves. So now there's no secrets because they want to talk to you. So they open up to you. And guess what that, that means? You can pray for them because you actually know how they're feeling what they're going through, because they've shared it with you, because they trust you, because you listened to them, and you remembered what they said. And you, you, you do that by giving up your time. Because time, again, is the most valuable thing you'll ever have. We have a lack of communion. Psalms 119.11 says, I have stored up, your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. How do you store up the word? You have to read it. You can't memorize something you don't read. And then people go, you're going to talk about memorization. I suck at memorization. And I will tell you, no, you don't. There's not one person in here that sucks at memorization. Shall I tell you why? Because if I put a pippy song on the radio... Or Baby Shark, you'll remember every single word of it. You will remember every single word of it. Because you want to. You want to. But do you know why we, don't, we stay childish and we don't want to eat baby food? Because guess what we do? We choose other things in our lives. We go, oh, got to watch Netflix today. Because that new show comes out. And they're going to, they're going to, actually I heard they're going to stop doing this. I don't even watch Netflix. So, but they're going to start releasing them just like Disney do one week at a time. But they used to binge watch. They used to release everything on one day. Like they, a new show would come out and all eight episodes would be there. So people sit in front of their TV for eight hours and watch it. And then they go, did you read your Bible this week? Oh no, I didn't have time. But that show was so important. Oh, I didn't have time to, to, to read my Bible. But you see 50 million zillion posts on Facebook from them. But they didn't have time to read their Bible. They sit and watch TV all day long. Everybody has something that they do, by the way. And they say, oh, I don't have time to read my Bible because I've got to do X, Y, or Z. And that, that, whatever that X, Y, or Z is, that's sin in your life, by the way. If it causes you to not get into God's word, not talk to him on a daily basis, you need to reevaluate your life and you need to go, what do I need to give up 
that hinders my relationship with God. Because here's what I would tell you. I love Shelly, okay? I love Shelly. So guess what I do? I make time for Shelly. I talk to Shelly. I listen to Shelly because I love Shelly, okay? We, because it's her birthday tomorrow, she probably hates that I said that, but we're going to go to Gleanamore to spend the day together because we want to, I want to build my relationship. We've been married for 31 years. I want to be married for another 31 years. Okay, so I want to build that relationship. If I don't work on that relationship, what that, what's going to happen to that relationship? It's going to die. The flame is going to kindle down and it's going to be just embers and then it's just going to go out. So if I want to do that with, with Shelly, who's the most awesome person in my life, the, the best gift that God has ever given me, but there's only one thing that's that's better than Shelley, and that's Jesus, to me. So if, 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 if Jesus is, 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 is superior, Jesus is God, and I want a relationship with Jesus, okay, what does that mean? I need to take time to be in this word, to talk to him, to have a relationship to him, because my relationship in 31 years with Shelley has grown from the childish, relationship it started out as to a more a more adultish type of relationship i say more she's the adult <laughs> she she's the adult in the relationship so we have to build a relationship if we don't want to stay child children we don't want to stay children we have to do things to not be children anymore According to this text, we should be growing and we should be able to teach. I, if I drop dead right now, somebody else in this thing should come up and be able to finish this message. Somebody else should be able to teach for me. And then if that person drops down dead, they should be. You know, that this, this service is never going to end. Do you know that when, when the Reformation was happening in Glasgow and, and, and in, in Scotland... They would go to church, and there was, no, there was no chair. So you had to bring two things to church as a man. This was your manly duty. The women didn't have to bring this part. They brought actually three things to church. This is what they brought. Their Bible, their three-legged stool. They brought their own chair. They had a three-legged stool, and their sword. Because they didn't know who was going to walk through the door. But they... All had their Bible. Do you know why? Because if, if they come and arrested the pastor, because that's who they would arrest, when they left, somebody else got up and finished preaching. That's what happened in the Reformation. But they're the three, three things that they would carry to church. And, and the, that's what happened. I mean, we're talking real history here. There's a lack of desire. See, you need milk instead of solid food. It's a choice to grow in the Lord. We can make a choice to do it or not do it. We can stay babies or we can grow. There's a lack of determination. 
They had no determination to grow and be stronger Christians. Daniel purposed or determined in his heart to live for God. This is what it said in Daniel 1.8. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chef of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. He made a choice because that's what he needed to do to grow. You can make a choice. It's up to you. When you leave here, you can walk out of this church and say, good service, pastor, or bad service. I don't care. Here's what I will say. I just want you to grow. Even if you tell me good good, good sermon, I basically that just, because I want to see growth. That's how I know that I did a good sermon, that you've changed, that you're growing and you're moving in the right direction. That's how I know that I've actually preached a good message, that God actually used me today, is when I come next week and you are different because of it, because God used me. Acts 20, 24 says, But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my cause and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. If you truly, truly believe that you're saved by grace, you want to live like you're saved by grace. So that means you want to change the way you live because you understand the price that was paid for you. It goes on to say, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have, hurt, have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. In this world, there are consecrated people. You see, they're stable people. That, that solid food is for the full-grown man or woman. You see, carnal people don't want God's word. See, Paul says this, the time will come when people will not listen to the truth. They will look for teachers, and we live in this time, by the way. We live in this time. They will look for teachers who will tell them only what they want to hear. Do you know why I believe that we need to be mature Christians and we need to all be eating solid food? It's because I want this church to grow. And, and, and starting next week, we'll have the core of people every week at the same time in the church. And that will be our core people because they're the people that are here now. They're the people that need to grow together. They're the people that need to get more mature and, 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 and grow and do Bible studies together and learn together and grow together and have prayer meetings together and do things together. This is the core group of people. And we're going to have more people added to this call. But I really believe that God's not going to open that door until we are strong enough to do it. Because I could grow this church, by the way. I've read enough growth books on church building to know how to grow this church. I can lie to everybody. I mean, I won't be working for God. I'll be working for myself. So if I fill all the seats, then I can say, hey, can I have more money because I'm so good? Because I filled all these seats. Because that's how big churches grow, by the way. They tell people what they want to hear. There's a church in New York, in the Bronx, 
that the guy, one of the poorest neighborhoods, and he pulls up the pastor, I will call him that loosely, pulls up in a Rolls Royce. He was just in the news a few weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, because he had a million dollars worth of jewelry stole from him at gunpoint after the church service. The pastor. Every suit he wears is custom made. He's in jail right now because he, some woman called him out and he got abusive in, the, in his church service. He grabbed the woman and basically chokeholded her. And he's now in, in jail, the last I've heard. But the guy drives up in a Rolls Royce. Okay? How can he afford a Rolls Royce? Because he's lying to the people. And the people are falling for the lies he's saying. And they're giving to his ministry. And he's making his wallet fatter. And buying stuff for himself. Because he is God in that scenario. God is not God. But there's lots of churches out there that do the same thing. American Christianity is a disease. It actually needs to be cut down. What, what we've done to American Christianity in the last 20, 30 years is ruined it. Because we're teaching that, that this health, wealth, and prosperity but that you will be healthy, you'll be wealthy, and you'll be everything you want, God will give you, because he's God, and he's a vending machine, and you are, here, you, you are, you, he must be, and really, think about that scenario. I don't even know how you could fall for it myself, because I'm like, if he's God, and he's going to give me everything, doesn't that make me God? Doesn't that make me God? If he's giving me everything I want, doesn't that make me God? It does. If he's giving me everything that I want, He's, my, he's working for me. I'm not working for him. He's doing my back, back and calling. That wouldn't be much of a God if he does everything I want him to do. If I say, oh, God, please give me a big house and a Rolls Royce and a jet plane and teach me how to fly it so I don't have to get on commercial flights. And, and, I'm, and, and I'm not exaggerating because all these things other pastors have. And I like, I'd go, why do you need that? If you're really working for God and doing ministry, why would you need that? None of the other disciples had that. But you, you, they, they, they tell a false lie. They're not stable. They're carnal people. They just want what God can give them, not what God has given them. The steady people, they have learned to use their minds to tell the difference between good and bad. The only way you're going to know what the difference between good and bad is, is to read your Bible. Because the Bible tells you what's good and bad. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And it comes through the Spirit. John 16.13 says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. And also, it came through sensible decisions. James 4.17 says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him 
It is sin. See, there's different sins. There's sins for me, there's sins for you. There is different sins. There's certain things that are not sins to, to, to you that are sins to me. And there's certain things that are sins to you that aren't, aren't sins for me. I said about Netflix early. If Netflix binge watching is stopping you from getting close to God, guess what? It's a sin. If every time you pick up a bottle, you get drunk and you can't focus and you've lost everything in your life, drinking is a sin for you. Don't pass your sin on to somebody else. I said earlier this morning that I have three TVs in my, my house, okay? I don't, I, me and Shelly have the TV on when we go to bed. We watch one hour show. I don't usually don't make the whole show. At, at three out of four times, I'm asleep before the, the beginning credits have gone through. And, but Shelly needs a TV on to go to sleep. That's just Shelly. She's always been like that. I can't change it. I didn't want to put a TV in our bedroom, but she wanted a TV in the bedroom, so I put one in the bedroom. I've got one in the kids' room, the spare room for my grandkids, and I've got one in the living room. I've lived in my house over six months. I've sat on my couch six times to watch TV for an hour. One time was two hours, but the other times were an hour each. So me watching TV is not stopping me getting close to God. I have other things that stop me getting close to God, like overscheduling myself and, and saying yes to too many people. That's my problem. And that's a sin, by the way, that I am dealing with. Uh, but, but everybody has something that stops them going close to, close to God. If you've got a TV and you watch 24 hours of TV in a day, if your TV doesn't ever get switched off, maybe you should take that TV and give it away or get rid of it. Maybe you don't need a TV because it's keeping you from having a relationship with God. Or maybe you need to discipline yourself and say, hey, I'm only going to watch X amount of TV. But you see, we all have personal things that we can, choices that we can make to allow us to grow and become more like Jesus. So many accept Christ as Savior. It, 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 Many of people, I always say this, many people say, I want Jesus to be my savior. But they, there's, there's less people go, I want Jesus to be my Lord and savior. There's less people that want him to be their master. Because when, George, when Jesus says, I'll be your Lord and savior, that means he's Lord over you. He master over your life. You see, they wish to escape how? but are not willing to pay the price to be a Christian. See, that's why I don't like when you just push a certain direction. Like you say, well, you're saved by grace. Everything's okay. I believe that. But when you just talk about that and you forget to tell people, you know what, though? I'm going to warn you. If you accept Christ, there's going to be a cost to you. It's going to ha- you're going to have to change. You're going to change because you've accepted Christ. He wants you to, he doesn't want you to come as you are and leave as you are. He wants you to come as you are and leave differently. He wants you to grow. So that, that's going to mean that the cost is that you're going to submit to the way you will live in your life and live under his authority and his mastership. See, that's the problem. We don't tell people that. Because we just want converts. See, to grow in the Lord, one must learn to put God first. 
He says this in Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God. You see, I love this verse because listen to it. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. So he doesn't even say, like, like, this is what's amazing. God always makes, he says, look, if you live like this, all of these things. And all of these things is, I'll take care of you. Don't worry about it. I've got your back. That doesn't mean you're going to get everything you want. It means you're going to get everything you need. See, and as we grow in him, we will obey his commandments. If we grow in him, we will obey commandments. You know, I'm not, I believe that the Old Testament, the whole Old Testament was to say, you suck, Jesus doesn't, you, need to, you can't keep the law, so you need to have Jesus in your life. I believe that. But I also believe at, when you'll get saved, the commandments start to matter again. The commandments matter. Because Jesus says this in John 14. Jesus said this. So if you're offended, take it up with Jesus, not me. If you love me. How many people in here say they love Jesus? Yep, we all say we love Jesus, right? If you love, you, not might, keep my commandments. You can choose to keep my commandments. That's not what he says. He says these words. You will keep my commandments. So we all agree that we love Jesus. But we very rarely want to keep his commandments. And we say, and then, and then there's people who would say to me, well, if you're telling people they need to follow rules, you're being legalistic. Well, Okay, I'm legalistic. If you want to say that, I don't care, really. Really, because I believe the Bible says it, not me. I believe that over and over and over and over again in the Bible, the Bible says, if you choose to follow me, you will change and you will follow me. Because Jesus didn't ask us to do anything but follow him. He says, come follow me. He doesn't say, You're saved. You don't have to do anything. He says, come follow me. He wants you to be a mature Christian. He wants you, he wants this church to be, this is going to blow your mind. A hundred percent of things in this church are done by a hundred percent of the people in the church. Wow. I pray for that day. That a hundred percent of the people that come to this church that are members of the church, that have chose to be members of this church, 100%, because I want people that to come in, obviously, that aren't members and become members. And as they become members, then they, they 100% of the work should be done by 100% of the church. But right now, 100% of the work's done by 5 to 10% of the people in the church. That's sad. We say we believe, we say we want to do this, we say we do this, but we don't. We don't. We say we love Christ, but we don't. Because that would be like me saying, 
I love Shelley, but I'm not going to do anything with her. I love Shelley, but I'm not going to follow some rules because I believe I've got rules and she's got rules and we follow each other's rules. You know, I think when you live with somebody and you're married to somebody, they have ways of doing things. Like, I try not to leave dirty dishes in the sink. Not because I would, I would if there's one plate in the sink, Shelly's going to wash it. I would let the sink be full and then wash it. That's just me. Right? But John is going to marry into that. So if you leave a sink in the dish, that's Shelly's, it's not a rule, it's not a, it's not a written rule, by the way. But if you, I, leave, I want to, to do these things because I want to love her. So I do things not because I want to do them, because I get to do them because Shelly's a part of my life. And I'm blessed to have her as part of my life. So I do the things that make her happy. And by the way, she does the things that make me happy. And that's why I think we've got 31 years of marriage. I mean, it, it's a milestone, but it's not a big milestone. It's a, it, maybe in this day and age, it's a milestone. But, but I want 75, 80 years. I'll be 100 and someone I won't remember who she is. But, but I, that's what I want. I want that. But I want a better relationship with Christ. So let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for being so awesome and that you did uh, come and make a way for us to be your sons and daughters, to follow you and stop uh, eating baby food and, and just eat, drinking bottles of milk. God, that you give us a way to eat solid food, that you give us a way to encourage and grow each other, that you didn't want us to come as we are and leave as we are. You want us to come as we are and leave more grown up, more mature, and you want us to do that every week, and you want us involved in each other's lives. You want it to do that, and only you can help us to do that, God. Only you can unite us to do that. So I pray, God, that you just use this message to grow us, and to teach us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.